guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made by the hands of people since the dawn of time, from worst to best. Uh, and I am Ryan. And I'm Quincy. I'm so excited to get into the horror daguerreotypes. <laughs> the horror Nickelodeons. What, what are those called? Shadow boxes? You know what? This uh, flip book of a ghoul from 1885, one star out of five. <laughs> Just really but like also, the fucking bottom. If you've ever watched Haxon, you're like, people were far more ghoulish in the, <laughs> the teens and tw- 19 teens and 1920s than they are today. And it's like, we've really lost our way. So the Edwardians were fucking balls out, is what you're saying. Yeah, just like titties and just red latex paint. No, no, probably with <laughs> lead in it. Just. Just fucking paint my dick and let's dance on a movie screen. <laughs> Honestly, this is, I feel like this is a, a weakness I have is that for whatever reason, if it is a horror movie that is pre-Psycho, but not one of the Universal Monster movies, I feel like I'm out to lunch and I don't really know what to do with it. Yeah, you uh, you need to fix that because <laughs> a lot of those movies are actually pretty good. Well, there we go. So this is, you know what? I, I, I just learned something that I did not know when I woke up this morning. I should actually go back and, and watch all of those movies. Um, if only we had a, a venue to <laughs> revisit and critically discuss film. But how would I do that without a, an, an internet access to literally find any movie I could possibly <laughs> want to watch in the history of recorded film? Can I give a weird shout out to justwatch.com and the fact that it yes. took until 2020 for someone on the internet to say, we need to make a website that's just a database of where you can watch a specific movie at any given time. Yeah, and also rip in peace, uh, fan.tv, which was the, the the version of that before Just Watch. Honestly, I for whatever reason, I feel like I, I can measure what period of my life I'm in by which shady streaming site I primarily use to watch my movies. And um, what does the to be period say about yourself? Oh, the to be period is eternal, is the thing. <laughs> like there is there is no shame in using Tubi.tv. Um lately, because I feel like in in uh middle college it was a mega video, which was a sadness because it was always like, you've watched 45 minutes of mega video. Give us money or wait 90 minutes to finish watching this free thing. And it was like this fucking devil's bargain. And right now, I feel like we are firmly in the era of one, two, three movies. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and God fucking bless. So, Quincy, uh, God damn, this is, I am so glad you're back on the podcast. This, uh, like, uh, this is, it's, it's been uh, about a month or so. How, uh, what, what ghoul shit have you been ensconced in during this time? So, for this month, I haven't had internet uh, <sighs> because of a weird. <clears throat> weird setting up of accounts and crossed wires and people claiming that the the very kafka-esque you have to have a paper form to get an internet installation but you also have to send the paper form paperlessly to someone else and everyone wants to say that the other person is the reason why it's not ready and it's like just please give me a wi-fi connection i work from home for god's sake yeah that's um, a fucking nightmare 
Yeah, so since the only thing I was able to do was steal the Lowe's guest Wi-Fi from across the street, I uh, revisited my roots and started a VHS collection. I am Quincy. My heart is is full in this moment. This has we've been building up to this. Like this is you have you have always been uh, at some point just about to get a VHS player and a a a, a, a conical TV screen. Yeah, and on, that's on the thing project. is this weekend. Uh, I finally came full circle. My girlfriend found a CRT television for free. The only catch was in true monkey's paw fashion. I had to carry it and put it in the car myself and then put it in my apartment by myself. And it's a 30 inch television. That's nothing to sneeze at. I, this is, so my question actually did, uh, when you were growing up, did you have the kind of a TV that was like, it was part of a different kind of furniture where it was like wood paneled, but somehow had a TV in it? Yeah. So my home had a big Bertha of a television, but it was in a custom wood uh, shelf. So there was cabinetry and shelving built into the living room. Uh, and I guess the TV, I, I believe that old 30 inch TVs just show up in houses and then <laughs> they, do, they yeah. only leave when someone physically removes them. Yeah. 100%. Um, I can tell you right now, I'm strongly considering never moving this television again. Just letting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wherever this, it's like an anchor, wherever this TV set is, this is where you will go now. <laughs> it's it's like, just there. It's uh, your horcrux. But yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Did, did you have one growing up? I definitely did. And I feel like, um, honestly, like one of the one of the weird things to me as an adult is when, uh, when you see some uh, like conservative pundit complaining about poor people and they're being, you know, a fucking shit dick. And frequently the thing they do is they, they're like, ah, these, these poor people who say that they're poor and they can't afford their medication and they're all dying. I bet they have a flat screen TV in their house. And I, it's like, motherfucker, everybody has a flat screen TV in their house now. Like, yeah, you know, people are begging to be rid of these albatross sized monstrosities yeah nobody's out here with a convex fucking tv screen like i it's always held up as as a a a symbol of opulence somehow um but yeah that's i yeah so the other thing i didn't realize that i missed until today was static Oh yeah. Well, it's it's when you see it, it's almost like seeing it in the wild, right? You're like, "Oh shit. People try to like painstakingly reproduce this now and just there it is." Yeah, and and also playing worn out tapes with uh tape drop that's just static. Um I do have <laughs> this television does say unusable signal. <laughs> when the when the <laughs> signal is very bad, which is right. which is great to see on top of a screen of, of static and <laughs> squiggly lines. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's so weird to have. Also, it's loud as shit. I forgot how unnuanced 
uh, AV audio is, it's just on. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Like when it's it's jarring to me when I'm watching something now that's like on on VOD or, or uh, Blu-ray or something that has bad sound balancing because it's always just like was nobody driving this thing and you watch a VHS tape and it's like no like somebody edited it but it wasn't for this format and you're lucky with whatever you get I'm so excited to talk about the uh, turds we are watching for this week who doggy so let's get into it so the 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 first one uh, all right so so actually first one is donkey punch we got to talk about donkey punch because I can't I I, saw, I I watched this uh, for the first time streaming on Tubi, uh, by the way. On Tubi, yeah, as our as our many movies. Which, by the way, uh, shout out to Tubi. They are not paying us, but we we love your service. Honestly, Quincy, you know what it is? There was this um, Akewood panel from ages ago where it was like, "Wait, why did you write like a ten thousand dollar check to Oreos?" And the guy is like, "I like their product. I wanted I wanted them to have a little walking around money." <laughs> <laughs> That is that is how I feel about Tubi. Is I just I like I like what they do. Um, I treat Tubi like my old aunt treated me. Every time I went to visit, she would just palm a twenty dollar bill in my hand and say, "Get you something nice while you're out today." <laughs> yeah, I feel like Tubi wants good things for me. Like sometimes you use a streaming service like midnight pulp or something and you're just like i don't know that the person who made this is my friend and dad now Tubi is your dad and it wants you to be happy um, also the so tell me about the commercials that you get because i get weird middle tennessee like air conditioning commercials <laughs> honestly every commercial i get is for air conditioning and i think it might be because we're like I assume that it's because um, in on the West Coast, we're in the midst of a fucking heat wave that's been going for months, and we all feel like our brains are being cooked. And I'm pretty sure that's what it is, is they're all like, all right, we're all in on air conditioners. We got to get everybody doing the central air. And um, it's it's a lot. Uh, and 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 to be honestly, as a service, I, I, I sit through the ads because I'm sort of like, you know what? Fair play to you, Tubi. You got to keep the lights on somehow for this selection of literally hundreds of movies I can watch. You dug up motherfucking... Microwave uh, Massacre. Nudist colony zombies for me. (laughs) It's the least I can do. Yeah, they're honestly... Yeah, our greatest national treasure is is Tubi.tv. And yeah, so Donkey Punch... um, This is is a movie from 2008. And this is a movie that's been kind of on my peripheral forever. Um, because the thing is that the name of the movie is Donkey Punch. Yes, I saw this pop up pretty soon after it was making the home media rounds, mm-hmm. and it was being named in a lot of like up and coming independent horror. It was being thrown around with other titles like Cheap Thrills and Would You Rather, and people yeah. were really talking it up. And I flat out dismiss it because it is the worst name for a movie I've ever heard. That's correct. And and, and I think you're also onto something with like, th- so this is from 2008. And it, now I feel like, uh, I, so you know how what'll happen, like in the 80s, we had the slasher boom. And then in the early 90s, they kind of didn't know what to do with themselves totally horror wise. Like we had like sort of one-off stuff like Candyman, but it wasn't until, like, Scream in 96 that horror really 
knew what it was doing. And I feel like the big horror franchise in the 2000s was Saw. And, you know, starting in 2004, and there were like a bunch of those Saw movies. And I would say after the third one, the flavor ran kind of thin. And then nobody really knew quite what to do with themselves horror-wise. Yes. And Donkey Punch came out during that to me, where it was like everybody was excited about the concept of indie horror. Now, this was also before uh, VOD became the powerhouse that it is now. And so everything was very much like go straight to DVD. We got to we got to bang this shit out. Well, I mean, we still had uh, video stores besides family video. By the way, we are right. we are being um, given uh, financial compensation by family video because they're the yeah. only video store in existence anymore. So come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be grateful. Um, but yeah, like Donkey Punch, honestly, it's one of these movies that I feel like during this period, the, the popular thing was to have a title or a logline or branding that was like in your face right like it was it, it was getting butts and seats by through its marketing or title or whatever promising the line for donkey punch is this party is going overboard a like that's with, with oh all right so let's get into it so to preface this um the sexual revolution was a mistake a horrible <laughs> Horrible mistake that it, uh, listen, it happened and everything's been downhill since then. Um, kids are doing sex at each other and making drugs on one another. And it's just, it's all, it's all very bad. This movie is very English too. It takes place, this is pre-Brexit. So it is shitty British people on vacation in Spain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Britain's behaving badly. It is, um, and it's 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 so intensely English that it's not even just like we all have sort of um, BBC accents. This is like Northern English, so everybody sounds like uh, Adrian Neville to me. They also have aggressively plain appearances. And let's get into that actually. So this is this revolves around um, there is this is a cast of seven, and it is four dudes and three ladies. And um, the the thing is that uh, the four dudes are all uh, workers on this yacht that is owned by rich people, and the rich people um, are 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 gone from the yacht, and so they basically have run of the place. All four of these dudes look completely identical. They are solely differentiated by they their single article of clothing. The actual. <laughs> Uh, deep guy who is is like the emotionally the one with any scrap of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. is denoted by his uh, leather twine choker. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the twine that tells you that he's he's soulful. Um, and then you've got the sort of like the the bravo of the group who's just this like fucking uh, dirtbag guy named Bluey who is just. Now, he there's like a certain genre of mean looking British lad that has a face that you're just like, it makes you uncomfortable. And Bluey is one of those who he sort of looks like if um, Dudley Dursley roided himself into um, adulthood. I also love that Bluey is a drug dealer and they start with MDMA. And then things escalate, and he's like, I've got 
Russian ice. <laughs> it's just now- <laughs> wild to me that, of course, in Europe, Russia is where you get crystal meth. I see Russian ice. Mike, this was my question is what the fuck is Russian ice? And I assumed it was meth. So I'm pleased that that's what it is. Yeah. Um, it's just like, you know, we're having a good time doing meth. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, that's what it is. It's like, everybody's like, Hey guys, we're all tripping on, on MDMA and having a good time. What, what do you say? We keep this party going. Let's smoke some fucking meth. And it all becomes terrible. But I also um, like the implication that they have to go to Russia <laughs> They have to import methamphetamines from Russia that no one else in the European European Union would stoop so low to cook crystal meth. <laughs> this is it's all right, so my, America and Russia. Quincy, my question to you is: This our um, from Tennessee privilege? I, you is- know what it is because <laughs> everyone I knew growing up cooked meth. That's what I'm like. I remember, like, I, I, where I lived in Clarksville at one point, like, my next door neighbor, he, his house was a meth lab. Like, in, in, and it was so funny because I remember one time, I swear to God, and this is a side note here, I was, um, this was in, I want to say 2010, and I was on my back porch having a cigarette, and I saw the cops pull up and, like, a lot of cops. And they came to the front door and knocked, and when the dude answered, I just heard the cops say, you know why we're here. And <laughs> that's never what you want to fucking hear the cops say. Listen, we could do due process, but Jesus. we both know how this is going to pan out. Yeah, and like living that's next to the that. the most dirty, hairy ass line uh, I've ever heard. How much you want to bet that cop was like practicing that line in the rearview mirror on the way to this drug dealer's house? Alternatively, how much you want to bet that that cop really knew your neighbor very intimately? <laughs> that's that's actually I, that's almost probably more likely. Is like, God damn it, I know your mama, and like we go to the same fucking church. I know what I know. Listen, this is a smallish town. I fucking know what you you're doing, man. That's a very um, Tennessee thing as well. Is the drug dealer <laughs> is <laughs> your uncle's uh, church friends? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, you can arrest this guy, but you're still gonna see him at the fucking barbecue on Sunday. So you're gonna listen. Be nice to him a little bit. It'll break his mom's heart if you're not. Um. So the. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt oh, because I am watching Donkey Punch on mute while we're talking. Oh, I man. need to point out that Bluey has a has button fly jeans, which further asserts that he is a maniac. He's a sociopath. Honestly, with button flies as a drug like, okay, he's also not only is he a drug dealer, he enjoys imbibing a bit himself. If you are under the influence, you are like button flies are a promise to your pants that you will piss them. <laughs> like, this is a, a time will come when you lack the fucking faculties to unbutton each individual button and nature will take its course. You have punched your own ticket. Okay, so this movie is about these three girls who are on spring break. And they meet up with these dudes to party on a docked yacht that they don't own. And the one responsible guy with his his deep meditative necklace with like chakras or whatever the fuck it is. 
some some religious symbol, but not specific enough to. Yeah, he's a she's a schmoodist. He's into schmen and uh, you know schmeditation. He's into things that are good. Is is how you know. Yeah. So he's like, guys, we can't party in the harbor. People will complain. So they're like, you know what? Let's take it. Let's take this boat on the open sea because nothing bad happens when you do MDMA and crystal meth on the open ocean. Listen, drugs plus international waters equals death. Honestly, I would I would take it one step further. Nothing positive happens on boats ever. Nothing good. Like if you are on a boat in international waters, it is Mad Max. Like whatever. This is why cruises boggle me because we, as a as a species, specifically invented other forms of transportation because boats <laughs> suck so badly. It's like this yeah, is- the one way to cross the ocean is pretty terrible. Let's uh, let's be birds and just fly across. Sure, a lot of us are going to cross the ocean and disappear, but it definitely beats being on a boat. I mean, yeah, like, honestly, they've had to, during, I, I think it was the Obama administration, they actually had to um, create specific legislation to mediate what happens on cruise ships. Um, it it's a honestly cruise folk confuse me because I don't understand wanting to go on a cruise. Um, They, there have been like hundred, like countless murders and other kinds of just horrible things that have happened on boats. Um, Specifically because maritime law is a nightmare. If you have like, you know, if you have wanted to murder someone, you're going to want to do that on a cruise ship because like cruise ships, because they're in, in international waters, um, classically do not have to report anything that happens ever on a boat. <laughs> and so it it's cruises are terrifying on a, on a number of levels. And so I think like, and, and because I, I, I fell down a hole with um, carnival cruise uh, uh, statistics for like disappearances and murder. So th- that's great that you mentioned maritime law because uh, as these folks start doing, drugs they uh and they're all attractive uh youngins they start Mm -hmm. fucking right and um right before they have all of the dudes making jokes about dirty sanchez's and bloody donuts and all the same kind of locker room talk that uh many of us participated in in uh middle school Right. And, it's 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 the sort of hyperbolic sort of oh yeah, bro, I who have definitely ever seen anyone naked in my life. Uh I've I've been made privy to a thing called a donkey punch and it's them now and this is incredible to me because and so Quincy, you know how I'm always thinking about um that scene in American Psycho where Patrick Bateman is talking about Ed Gein and makes the other guys uncomfortable because he's like taken the logical conclusion to everything they're talking about. All of these dudes are joking about like horrific things to do to people sexually. And there's a sociopathy to it that the, I feel like the movie tries to explore on some level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like there's this discussion with, sincerity about like yeah it would be good because if you donkey punch someone the involuntary muscle spasm would 
make for good sex. And right. also what I like is the toxic masculinity of the really awkward dude um, who has a video camera in this. We'll just call Polo because his name doesn't really matter. He does yeah. the classic, yes, I have done that. Right. And then and then uh, Bluey, Bluey the goon uh, sort of is like describes the thing and goes, so yeah, so you've done that? And the guy's just like, shut up, whatever. Because it's obvious like, yeah, no, of course you haven't. Um, but then they're having sex and Bluey picks up the, uh, and they're having an orgy and Bluey is talking trash and says to Polo, yeah, man, do it. Do the donkey punch. And he's like, well, and it's the toxic masculinity thing of like, they're all kind of egging each other on and being like, now, and, th and this is also weird to me because they are all weirdly invested in getting each other's dicks wet. Yes. On like, there, there's this like sort of like, oh, you know, just hanging out with the boys, you know, encouraging each other to, to fuck. And it's like, why are these dudes so invested in each other fucking? Like, I don't, it's so bizarre to me. Like, I never, because like people talk about sex, but this is a very specific version of like, for some reason, it's it's essential for Bluey's sexual self-esteem that nerdy guy with camera also fucks. And it's yeah, super Bluey's weird. like, hey, slap her ass. She loves it. The literal dialogue is she loves it. Slap her ass. You gonna come? <laughs> come on, dude. Are you gonna do it? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at your balls, dude. Are you gonna come? Like, it's just, it's it's so weird. Um, and so uh, the 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 titular event happens, and um, nerdy guy with cameras is, is fucking one of the ladies, and he punches her in the back of the neck, and she dies. Yeah. Um, and a thing, honestly, I'm I'm pleased on some level that the movie did not feel the need to show us that in excruciating detail, because I think a lot of worse movies and not that this movie is like great or anything, but I appreciate that it didn't like rub our noses in the, in this action. I'm also pleased with the sheer amount of male nudity because nothing yeah. says these men do not have it this under control than their tiny, flaccid, frightened penises. <laughs> Because they're all walking around going, well, what do we do? <laughs> they're oh, laughing in the Mediterranean breeze. Holy shit. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's how you know everything has gotten out of hand. And so obviously one of them dies and then the, the lads convene and they're like, oh, no, we've committed literal murder. And whether or not we meant to do it, someone is dead. Um and they have to, so they convene about this and they, uh, uh, so at this point, the other two, uh, the other two women who have watched their friend, or I don't think they watched their friend get murdered, but they see her body and they know that she is dead. Yes. So one of the, the, the one friend is topside with the spiritual skipper and the other girl <laughs> is Bitcoitus with her back turned. Yeah, and the skipper himself is, and and you sort of, I feel like we burn pretty quickly through um, the the spiritual guy actually being a good person. Um, oh yeah, because and and very quickly the question becomes for the guy is like, okay, so how do we cover this up? How do we make sure you know we nobody sees this dead body? And like they're 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 working super hard to make sure that. 
um, they they're they're able to uh, find a way to get out of this now. And Paul um, the nerdy guy immediately snaps and becomes calculated compulsive liar, and it is the scariest part of the movie. Yeah, that's what's incredible. Punches a woman to death, and he says, "I didn't do that. She was on drugs. She must have OD'd." He now. He gets the sort of sick look of like, oh no, I fucked up. But yeah, he snaps into place pretty much immediately to try to protect himself. And the other guys also really want to protect themselves. So they're sort of willing to go along with like, uh, yeah, maybe she forgot to take her vitamin C this morning and that's why uh, she's dead. Yeah, and then it's revealed that Bluey had the camcorder and has the tape. Yeah, and now this tape becomes sort of the focal point of the movie. Um, now, and and uh, nerdy uh, nerdy murderer or nerderer, I guess um, he was filming everything before he decided to get involved. And I, I sort of, I I don't know, like I, this videotape becomes the sort of proof of what happened, and everybody sort of spends the rest of the movie looking for this tape and trying to figure out who has it at any given point. And uh, then murder ensues as everyone decides to look out for just themselves and realizes that if they kill everyone else, they can just pretend that they that nothing happened. Yeah, and well, one and, by yeah. one, everyone in this movie dies. Yeah, well, and, and what's also incredible to me is the sort of um, the suggestibility factor of like, uh, Nerderer is on the video um, uh, fucking the, the lady who dies, and you've got Bluey recording it, and sort of, he's the one who previously was being like, hey, what, what do you guys know about donkey punching a person you know? And he is, it, I think it's left kind of ambiguous because he's like, do it, do it, do it. And I think it's, it's I, I mean, is it left ambiguous about whether the nerdy kid like, was responding to him saying, literally punch this lady on the back of the neck and kill her or if he was just like yeah have sex with your penis and i'll film it and he took it too far himself like bluey doesn't want to ignore like once the the uh, the nerdy kid brings up like but you were telling me to donkey punch her and the guy is like that's just some bullshit we were saying like that's not serious yeah no one ever actually does those things you moron (laughs) Yeah, which is incredible to me that it's the thing of like, no, honestly, anybody who does any of those like, you know what it is, Quincy, uh, that bit from Sex Criminals, where um, the 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 lady protagonist is like in the bathroom as a teenager and her friend is giving her this like diagram. Yeah, of, like brimping, singing. <laughs> brimping, yeah, the, the chocolate McKitten, the user agreement, like, these are moves that no one has ever actually used unless they are a fucking psychopath. Um, and lucky for the guy who does the murder, he is actually a fucking psychopath. Like he, which is highlighted by he puts his shirt on before he puts his pants on. And oh no! The collar. <laughs> no, don't don't poo bear it. Never poo bear it. Like it's never. If you have external genitals, it's never a good thing that happens. You look like a fucking axe murderer. If you are only wearing a shirt and you're everyone else is like, we have to figure out what to do with this body. No time to get dressed. And this murderer is like, I'm going to just put my clothes on now, guys. (laughs) 
Listen, the naked time was before, and then I murdered someone, so now I'm clothes guy. And, you know, I guess you fixed the being naked part, so good for you. Now, the thing about this movie that I hadn't... Now, I was sort of fully prepared uh, for it being a movie called, and I cannot stress, stress this enough, Donkey Punch. I was ready for it to be wild and transgressive and shitty, like, right out of the gate. It takes fully an hour of screen time before the thriller aspect of this really starts. Yes. And yet, uh, once the thriller portion of the film kicks in, it kicks in in frothingly uh, (laughs) (laughs) intensely. It fucking goes for it. Now, I I, I also want to point out because... So a number of um, murder podcasts that I listen to, um, this is a thing that pops up a lot is like, listen, if you're going to and not and I want to stress that I'm not encouraging anybody listening to this to commit murder and bury a body uh, anywhere. But every podcast that I listen to on the subject of disposing of a body tells you do not bury a body at sea. Like, do not take them out into international waters and huck them overboard because the tides will spit that body out onto shore at some point. Yes. So the dynamic immediately changes. It's very clear that there are all of these men who are working together. And now there's only these two women. They say, let's not throw our friend overboard. Let's take her back to shore. The men say, no, we're going to stay at sea for the night. We're Mm -hmm. going to dispose of the body. We're not going home until we figure this out. So uh, the women panic and they start fighting back as they should. Yeah. And, and also, it- Bluey gets stabbed with basically a multi tool, and he immediately <laughs> all of his masculinity evaporates. Yeah, dude gets shoulder fucked by a Leatherman and it rules. Like he. Now, and this scene is wonderful because it's sort of him being like, it, well, he he turns into the sort of Northern English like version of uh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob yelling like, I'll fuck anything that moves, where it's him being like, I'm a sex addict and I'm into making fuck and it's one, it, 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 that's the guy that I am. And he keeps like pawing at one of the women who are still on the ship and she keeps telling him like, fucking back off, man. Like, don't touch me. And he keeps doing it. And then in a rush, he's like, excuse me. I need you to stop doing that. And she just stabs the shit out of him with this tool. And yeah, he starts like blubbering like a child. And then what I also love is their response is, uh, give him the drugs. So he starts just doing cocaine for the rest of the movie to keep from freaking out. This is, this is the 2008 party kid version of rub some dirt in it is rub some coke in it. Like, all right, man, you just got stabbed with a Swiss army knife. You, you got to do some fucking coke about this. And they're just like feeding him drugs. Uh, and then, so we've, you know, he's bleeding out. And at this point, we are all trying to figure out where the videotape is that was taken uh, of um, the, the murder that happened. Now, a whole lot of murder happens in a relatively small amount of space. Yes, it's a little difficult to keep track of. So one of them, uh, so Polo 
allows Bluey to bleed out because he's trying to find the tape because he knows it it um, indemnifies him. So he's twisting this Leatherman in concentric circles in this wound. And it is also uh, revealed, strangely in throwaway dialogue, that Bluey's yeah. lung was punctured. <laughs> yeah, and one of the... One of the lads says, like, your ble- uh, blood-, blood is going to fill your lungs, but that's why God gave you two of them. Like, he just had that phrase ready to go. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, Bluey is dying. Um, then the other nameless guy gets a shotgun and tries to shoot the girls. They run away and shoot him with a flare oh yeah oh burns to death because a flare goes through his midsection and sets his entire body on fire now this is not uh by any means a good movie that scene fucking rules like they're the two the two women like get into a uh, a lifeboat to try to get the fuck away from these like murder dudes and the, you know, the, she has a, like a rescue flare gun that like you shoot up into the fucking sky to get the Coast Guard to come or whatever. And she just, yeah, like the way this guy gets flash fried, like, and not even flash fried, he burns to death slowly. Like it is lodged in his chest and he's just getting cooked by it and screaming and he falls into the ocean and then you just sort of still see the light of the flare. Like it's the lights on a swimming pool at night. And it's it's so gnarly. It is it is upsetting. And also the rapidity in which his friends go, we'll just say he never came with us. We can still get away with this. It's okay. Come back on the boat and let's talk about our alibis. I got it all figured out. We're just going to say that he didn't exist and never came with us. And they're like, well, you still, and they're like, we do have a gun still. You shot your last flare. Get the fuck back on the boat. Right. So and, then they're yeah. being chased around the deck. Um, there's also some mistaken identity over who is to be trusted and who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the girls chops the spiritual guy with a onboard motor. Holy shit, that scene. So what, yeah, so she sees them talking and he's apparently, I think the movie is telling us that he's actually a good boy and he wants to do the right thing and help them. Um, and he's, now, the 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 woman with the 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 outboard motor who decides, like, she, she sees them all talking and she sees the guy who has a gun and her friend looks upset. So she decides, like, it's go time. She rushes in with this motor and just, like, shreds this dude's shit. And he bleeds out and she realizes like, oh no, he was actually a good lad who was trying to help us. So in a very bizarre turn, she goes, Poe body's nerfed and jumps over the side of the boat to drown herself. (laughs) She does like Scott Stapp Creed arms into the ocean because she killed the wrong guy. It's very bad screenwriting. I it's I I don't there were what the what are we doing like after all of this she's gonna go oh no I killed the wrong guy deuces and just like doing the Fosbury flop into hell like it 
it's it's I mean, it's a moment of the movie that makes me sort of go, oh, they don't know what people do. Yeah, this whole movie is about not knowing how people people. So then we're left with the sociopathic polo shirt and the one girl who just desperately wants to go home. And of course, she's also the girl who's like, I don't want to party. And is also like, I really want to get in touch with my boyfriend this whole time, but my cell phone doesn't have any signal. Uh, She jumps back in the lifeboat and then uh, through crazy random, I can't tell if she is trying to make a noose to hang him or it just happens because ship knots are a thing. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like, it's, I, I feel like I, I, I got the impression that she had meant to do it. Um, they're on the boat and he's like, bah, give me the tape, the tape. And so she goes, Okay, great. And she throws it onto the floor of the boat. And yeah, what happens is that uh, uh, through either her contrivance or through like weird happenstance, the the rope loops itself around his neck and he gets yanked hard into the ocean. Um, His neck gets broken, which I actually I kind of love the symmetry of that. Yeah, Um, Yeah. that he he broke somebody's neck doing a stupid sex uh, cruelty. And then he just gets his fucking neck broken uh, on the other side of it. He gets dragged into the ocean. He belongs to Davy Jones's locker for sex cruelty. And the final girl of the thing is uh, left on a lifeboat by herself looking up at the night sky as she waits for help. And that's how we end. Yeah. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I've been without internet. I discovered this movie because I went to the Dollar Tree and bought this DVD <laughs> for a dollar. Um, the DVD also has an interview with the director who said the easiest way to break into film is to do a single location horror movie because they're really cheap to make. So he said, I was trying to come up with one and my friend went to a stag party and was telling me about dirty sanchez's and donkey punches and said well no one actually does those and the director said i've got an idea (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's kind of honestly i i do sort of love the philosophy that like all you need to make a good movie is like a two people and a gun like you can sort of if you're doing a bottle episode sort of like you know, you can make a good sort of claustrophobic. I mean, like the movie Rope by Alfred Hitchcock is just people in a room saying stuff. And like, that's fine. Um, this movie, I feel like it started with a transgressive title and almost felt the need to work backward from there. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that he's like, I got a title. What's the title of your movie? <laughs> mean sex mean sex guys and they're like okay so we need some guys right who are uh mean yes and sex yeah that happens so just you know so just make that it's it is it is a standard length of film but it's surprisingly good for a dollar like that's the thing about it is i was (laughs) way surprised that this shit turn of a movie called donkey punch wasn't a bad movie it was a good use of my hour and a half yeah, I well, and for me, it's it's almost sort of like now I, I love this movie as sort of a like a, a a a photo of a period of time. 
uh, with the late 90s where it's like it is 2008. Everything is blanched as fuck. It all looks super washed out. Um, we're vaguely aware that indie horror is a thing. People are into transgression because we're on the other side of stuff like hostels. So audiences, audiences are sort of like prepared for uh, uncomfortable. Just let's make movies that are mean as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Just mean spirited movies. Now. Yeah. I honestly, this is at least worth a dollar. I feel. Yeah. Or, or free on Tubi. Definitely watch. (laughs) Yeah. It's now you're going to want to fast forward to about the hour mark. Honestly, I don't know if it's just that I am old, um, but I feel like so much of the first part of this movie is just Skinamax levels of fucking. And I, I, I kept like doing the let's go hands where I'm like, please, can we get to the murder? Like, I know it's going to happen. Watching young generic white people fuck is just like very very low on my list of priorities as a as a person um yeah you know it's too much fucking you know the thing that's a weird time capsule for me in this movie is the jewelry that the these girls are wearing because it's all very like cheap chunky plastic costume jewelry and their hair is very um it's Karen hair before we started calling it Karen hair. If they were Americans, they would be desert folk, I feel. Like, they would be sort of Arizona dirtbags. Um, and and I, I think that being Northern English, like, I honestly, watching this without captions was hard because the nor- the Northern accent was so thick that I frequently did not know what the fuck they were saying. Yes, it is very... Uh much of its locale but yeah yeah, i would say all in all pretty pretty good where do you want to put this on our list well tell you what so at number so uh, uh, speaking of aquatic movies at number 368 we have jaws the revenge um which is sort of universally cited as being the very very bad jaws movie uh about the shark who pursues people across the ocean because of murders that happened in their family decades ago. You know, like all sharks do. Yeah, they've got a long memory, the sharks. Um, Honestly, Jaws the Revenge, I feel like I want to put this above that, but it grieves me to do that because of Michael Caine, who was in Jaws the Revenge, and the year um, Jaws the Revenge, the year he was filming Jaws the Revenge, he actually won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Um, and had to forego uh, being at the Academy Awards to pick it up because he was filming Jaws the Revenge, but, <laughs> which is my favorite thing. But then later on, he was like, well, I've never seen Jaws the Revenge, but I have seen the house it bought, and it is fantastic. <laughs> so I, yeah, that's, yeah. So I feel like this is better than that, but, so I'm scrolling up the list a little bit. Quincy, at number 353, we have Bath, uh, Bath, Bathman, excuse me, Batman Gotham by Gaslight. I tell you what, uh, I would if if at the Dollar Tree again, I would buy uh, Donkey Punch before I would repurchase Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Agree. I mean, Batman Gotham by Gaslight is sort of at least women dying in uh, Donkey Punch has some narrative heft in a way that. 
Poison Ivy being murked in the first five minutes of Gotham by Gaslight. Like, I feel like this somehow Batman Gotham by Gaslight has worse gender politics than the movie Donkey Punch, (laughs) which is certainly a choice. Now, at 341, we have Deep Blue Sea 2. What do you think? Okay, so 341, we have Deep Blue Sea 2. Another aquatic movie we have at 346 is Anaconda. Oh, yeah. The incomparable Paul Newman is in Anaconda. Yeah, also John Voight doing his John Voightedness. The incomparable John Voight is in Anaconda. Uh, <laughs> and John Voight in, Donkey, Voight in Donkey Punch. Oh, God, that's... Honestly, that's what it is, is Donkey Punch. What if we had, instead of having had one of these British lads, like, one of them had been inexplicably played by John Voight, who's just like... weird fucking Paul Cerrone accent and winking at everyone. <laughs> Yeah, just having a sparkle in his eyes as he's like, let's dump her body overboard, huh? Um, now, I think Anaconda is definitely better than Donkey Punch. Now, actually, just below Anaconda at number 347 is the quasi-fan movie Batman colon Dead End, which features what if Batman fought the Predator and also Alien. Um, honestly, I feel like at the very least, Donkey Punch is better than that. Yes, if if only because of original ideas. Yeah. So yeah, so I feel pretty good about that. So coming in at our new number, 347, is uh, Donkey Punch from 2008. Uh, definitely worth a dollar. Um, I have to decide if I'm going to keep this movie. <laughs> it's 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 real. It's always tough to decide. You know, when I have company over and they're scanning my collection, do I you don't want that title? Go, huh, I've never seen this. Let's watch it. Or alternatively, do I want them to look at me and go, oh, you like this kind of movie? Man, I feel like you're going to want to maybe put that in a little free library somewhere. <laughs> like, this is not, it's not a movie with a title that you want anybody's eyes to scan over. In your collection, like, I mean, what you know, whatever else about this movie that's irredeemable or redeemable, I feel like the nuance of that discussion might be lost on a guest coming. Although, you know what? We're in quarantine, man. Like, this is... I, no time for the present to own a copy of Donkey Punch. <laughs> Listen, laws mean nothing now. Uh, the inmates are running the asylum. Donkey Punch is on DVD. And you can just, you know, you can just have that. Um, so holy shit, let's get, so the second movie we're doing, uh, tonight, which I, I feel like I don't want to talk about this movie more th- because I feel like I've been on a tear on Twitter for the last day or so about this movie. It's very um, bad. I'm sorry. Oh man. It's, it's very bad. So the, uh, uh, the second movie we're doing is, uh, we're talking about, uh, books of blood on Hulu, which was, uh, what it dropped a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Made for Hulu. Uh, executive produced by Seth MacFarlane, family guy himself. Which one of you motherfuckers wished on the monkey's paw is my question. <laughs> like, we, we're like, oh man, I really want like a Books of Blood adaptation. And then the universe went, okay, the family guy dude is going to make it. Um, it is, now, I, I full disclosure, I am such a Clive Barker nut swinger. Like, the original Books of Blood, like the 1984 short story collection, 
I have read and reread it so many times. Like I have a Clive Barker tattoo. I have been obsessed with this specific uh, collection of short stories since I was a teenager. Um, I worry that going in, my expectations might have been too high. Now, I have never read the book, and it seems like a short story collection tied together by the concept of a book made of blood, and every story is going to be a story from the book, would work. Mm -hmm. But this movie screws up the easiest concept in all of horror, which is an anthology. Yep. Yeah, Shit and that's bad making an anthology horror movie. And I don't quite understand how they fucked it up so badly. You're completely right. And, and that's also the thing is like, um, now the framing device being, uh, it, 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 uh, th- so out of the three stories we get in this anthology horror film, only fucking one of them actually was a Clive Barker short story taken from Books of Blood. The other two were written by um, Brandon, uh, Brandon Braga, who is one of the, the who's the director um, and one of his friends. Like the two of the stories in this have goddamned nothing to do with Books of Blood. Now, the framing device of the of, of Books of Blood, both the short story and the and in the movie is that there's this uh, spiritual fraud who claims to be able to speak for the dead. And he goes into a room and he's able to write on all of the walls um, and it's the dead speaking through him. And then eventually what happens is that the dead themselves go, hey, fuck this kid. And like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of him popping up in our mentions. And they decide to go to work on him, just like writing their stories into his skin and sort of turning him into like a yearbook. Too cool for school. Too cool for school. Five ever. Yeah, yeah. Just like signing. I signed your crack. Like just signing it. and and now on and, his and, actual and, butt crack. <laughs> pa- pa- fucking ghost power move. Honestly, like with these two stories, it would be like the ghosts actually carving into his skin. Two hitmen have a shitty afternoon, and it's just garbage. And I, what happens with that? There's like no real logic to it none none like those two hitmen who at the start of it they they kill a shopkeeper who owes debt which by the way what the fuck like bookseller has debt worth his own life like getting his throat slit by hitmen what are we doing i know physical media is on the decline (laughs) movies like donkey punch have been relegated to the dollar tree where's the copy of donkey punch and they slit his throat and he's no. Um, but what I, my, my favorite thing about this very, 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 very bad movie is that the, the shopkeeper before he gets his throat slit, he gives these, it's like a D and D campaign that starts with like a mysterious cloaked guy at a tavern going like, man, if you venture into marrow hog Valley, you'll find a cursed tome. And like, this is for when you've got three players who have never played together and you're like, all right, we need an icebreaker. Um, here's a quest. And he's like, there's a cursed book out there somewhere called the Books of Blood and maybe there's money in it. And the hitmen go, okay. And then they drive to go find it. And that's the story. And the the weird way that they... So I'm trying to decide if the 
oh, every story interlaces with the other stories is what makes it so awful, or if it's just mm-hmm. the lack of actual parts to this anthology movie. It's the framework of an anthology with no actual anthology. You get one story. Exactly right. So much weird framing device that doesn't need to be in the movie. Well, yeah, honestly, what it is for me, I think Pulp Fiction has doomed us um, to watching people go, well, there's intersecting narratives. And you're like, okay, great. How do those narratives intersect? Well, uh, the hitmen in their sports car will swerve to miss a young lady at one point who turns out to be another character in the story. Ah, And you're like, wait, what the, so fucking what? Like, how does that matter? What does that even mean? And it's like, I don't know. It's like, you can just see the the screenwriters going, okay, great. We have made this character and this character interact in some way. And that makes this clever. Yeah, it's very bad. So the, I guess it's like the only actual story is this garden story. Yeah, which actually, and I hate to, I hate to give this credit, there is the seed of a cool idea with this story. Absolutely. It is kind of, sort of cool. I was hoping that it would have been a Clive Barker idea. I don't quite understand why they did. They had an entire goddamn book of short stories and only picked the framing narrative from the actual book. Was it a rights issue that they actually only had the name or the title story licensed? Or was it a case of, like, books are hard to read and we're just gonna <laughs> not? Yeah, well, and that's what's wild is apparently um, Brandon Braga um, apparently is, like, buds with Clive Barker and has talked with Clive Barker about the project. Um, and this was originally apparently meant to be an anthology TV series. Okay. okay. Um. And, and so you think to yourself, okay, that's all fucking well and good. You had three volumes of mind-bendingly cool, horrifying, sexy, disgusting stories that you could have m- adapted for this. How did you bypass all of those to give us, like, a- and for me, it's also like, this isn't horny enough to be a Clive Barker. No, it's not. Like, nobody wants to fuck in any of these. And that's just fundamentally at odds for me with Clive Barker's work. Um, now, the, the the problem is, like, the one segment in, the, in this that is kind of cool revolves around a... Uh, is it uh, misophonic or misophonic? I, I um, think it's, like, musophonia, kind of like music. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it's just really good sound design that makes you realize that this woman has a uh, condition where she is maddened by noises. Yeah, like she has this family and they chew their food too loudly. That's really what it is, is just like my family chews their food so loudly that I have to run away from home. Um, and she she gets on a bus and goes and runs away and she finds this other family that uh, it's this like middle-aged couple and they've got sort of creepy vibes and what you find out, of, and I'm, I'm fine with spoiling this, um, what you find out is that this couple uh, enjoys sort of, is it lobotomizing people? What's upsetting is it's not. They uh, take wayward 
folks mm-hmm. and they cut their eyes out and they cut their ears off and sew the ear canal shut so they can't hear or see and then just leave them on an IV drip in the walls and floors of the house. Yeah. Now I, I, I do sort of, I, I do like the idea of um, a house that is crammed full of people in this way. Um, I like that um, the character's name is Jenna and I like that Jenna can hear sort of scuttling in the walls or can feel sort of hear with her like misophonia, like, she can hear stuff moving in the walls that she shouldn't be able to. And I do like the idea of just like our entire house is just like bricked in with people on every level. Now the thing that, so uh, she escapes, she manages to escape uh, because they were going to like stick a needle in her and sort of like numb her and, and put her in the house. And then what you eventually find out about her is that she convinced her like college boyfriend to commit suicide. Um, in a scene that happens in the last five fucking minutes of the movie, like, that would have maybe been interesting, like, 45 minutes ago, man. Like, I yeah. don't give a shit about any of this now. It's weird, because it's it's the screenwriter saying, okay, the only good idea we have was our first one, so we're going to end the movie with the same character we started the movie with, because, oops, we forgot to write more movie completely and like so we get this flashback of like yeah like she she did that and then because of because she feels guilt about like very aggressively convincing her boyfriend to like jump off a building she returns to the house and they embrace and she agrees to get her eyes sewn up and her ears cut off and um she's no longer hearing her mom eat salad so that's cool i guess and that's where we end the movie now um this movie is I boring. And if there's a Clive Barker adaptation that is boring, folks, we have a problem. The worst Hellraisers are of note. And this movie yeah. is not noteworthy at all. Yeah, even Hellraiser Inferno, we can be like, yeah, but it's pinhead on the internet. So, like, that's, that's a fun thing on some level. Like, this is just, I don't, uh, and, and my problem is also, and I, I really, I want to account for this, the the trailer for this and the poster for it are fucking great. And I was expecting so much more than I think the movie was able to deliver on. And I wasn't, I mean, if they had gone pulpy and bloody and like fuck crazy, that would have been great. And it just managed to be nothing. So... Where do you want to put it on our list? Okay. So scrolling uh, way down the list. Speaking of uh, disappointing movies, at number 451, we have Rob Zombie's 31. Do we think this is better or worse than 31? You know, I think saying something bad is better than saying I, saying nothing at all. To quote Agreed. Hamilton, I'd rather be divisive than indecisive. <laughs> Yeah, like, even if 31 was Rob Zombie being, like, that's, you're, oh, shit, you're exactly right. Like, 31 is Rob Zombie being entirely back on his bullshit and embracing that yes. in a way that this embraces nothing. This, this it's is not an Argentinian Nazi clown. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, like at the very least, we've got that opening monologue from Richard Brake that is like the best part of the movie. And this is like Rob Zombie going, I'll I'll write you a fucking monologue in a way that like the dialogue in Books of Blood is fucking wooden. Like it is just it, it is just absolutely nothing. So, yeah. Um, so right underneath I, 31 at number 452, we have Underworld from 2003 featuring Kate Beckinsale and um, the guy that played Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean. Do we, how do we feel about that? Okay, hear me out. We have other Clive Barker property, Candyman 2, Farewell to the Flesh, way below that. That's a good point. Um, So actually, Candyman 2 has the catfish (laughs) the catfish man that fucking disc jockey honestly i want my dreams to be narrated by the catfish from candy man 2 um now actually i think okay i'm gonna say a thing and uh uh see if see if this might be uh a thing that you might agree with i think this movie uh books of blood uh on hulu is less good than candy man 2 but better than Necromantic 2, which is the sequel to the movie about fucking corpses. Because uh, Necromantic 2 sort of just retreads the same territory as Necromantic, which is like a movie I find fun on some level, even though it's complete garbage. But what do you think? Necromantic 2 does take the... You know a movie is in trouble when it just takes... 20 minutes of the previous movie in the franchise and just sticks it in. (laughs) That's yeah. That's sort of previously on fucking corpses, which is apropos because the nun is right under necromantic two, which just takes 20 minutes of the conjuring two. And it's like, uh, these movies are connected. (laughs) Oh shit. And actually the nun is also a big mouthful of nothing, but it is at least better to me. Then at number 476, right below it, we have the Crow colon City of Angels. <laughs> I th- I think Books of Blood might be better than the Crow City of Angels because it, at the very least, like, there are some cool concepts in it where the Crow City of Angels is, like, bereft of any good ideas. Yes, Crow City of Angels is trying to get the financial success of the Crow with no uh, returns whatsoever. So I think definitely Books of Blood is a modicum better than The Crow City of Angels. I think so too. And also I love that the tagline for The Crow City of Angels is believe in another, which is like, come on, give somebody else a chance, even if they're not Brandon Lee, please. Um, I so, yeah. do like going back to The Crow. We've got to revisit the other sequels. <laughs> to the All Crow. right. Because the pattern of we'll just get a different guy every time is, one, very superhero movie. And okay. two, <laughs> there are as many Crows, if not more, than Spider-Man. That's true. We are we are uh, reaching critical density of Crows. Uh, we... <laughs> Honestly, so next week we should a a veritable murder of (laughs) crows. So next week we're doing Wicked Prayer, is what you're saying. We gotta watch the Edward Furlong Crow movie. So yeah, so I feel good about that. So coming in 
at our new number 476 above the crow city of angels and below the nun is hulu's book of blood oh man man i was god damn it i was so quincy i was so sad when i watched books of blood because like i was so pumped about it because of what a fucking fanboy like yeah like how long in the making was that movie i don't i don't understand any of it i it's it's a it's a goddamn it's a goddamn tragedy so quincy where can our listeners find us on the internet we are posting the spiciest takes all over the web we are on instagram at rank and file we are on twitter at rank and Vilecast. we are on youtube at rank and Vilecast. we have a um, inactive um, slasher page if you want to date <laughs> us but not really date us um, I, that that was just a case of I want to lock this <laughs> app oh, yeah. down before someone else takes it oh um, definitely we we do have we do have merch though. Uh, if you um, check us uh, check out uh, our Twitter, we have uh, t-shirts available. We have travel mugs. We have all manner of merch. And we, by the way, we are going to be uh, ramping up the the number of bizarre uh, t-shirts that you can buy uh, from uh, from your friends at Rank and Vile. Um, we have a Patreon channel that we've got a bunch of con- uh, content that it's get, that's going to be dropping uh, later this week. Um, we and by the way, everybody who's part of our uh, Patreon, thank you guys so much. Like we we love you and we we uh, cannot thank you enough for for helping us to do what we do, especially uh, for for insights like eh, I think Books of Blood isn't as good as Necromantic too. Um, it it pays for itself. Um, but yeah, that is uh, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.